Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. You know, um, you, you've maybe heard, don't live in your past. Don't live thinking about things that were, ha- have happened before. And as, as a whole, I think that's pretty good advice. But in some instances, we're told to look back. We're told to look back at certain things. Um, you know, good things, obviously. We're told to look back and, and really focus, magnify on our victories, Obviously, if we're focusing on where we failed, where we fell short, we're going to just continue to do that. We're going to be stuck right there. But if we're focusing on what God has done for us, it, it just opens up the door for more. It just leads us into more. So um, I'll show you, I want to show you through scripture why it's so important that we do this and be intentional about it. Not just, um, oh, let me think really quick. There it goes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that happened but just very intentional about what you think about as far as your past goes. Um, turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to 1 Samuel. Going old, old covenant, Old Testament real quick. See, we're going we're to talk about David a little bit, and he figured some things out very young, and, uh, and, and you can tell what the, he figured this particular truth out at a young age, and I, I, I believe it opened the door for for him to do what he did. I, I believe that if he hadn't figured this out, if he hadn't done what I'm about to share with you, um, I, I don't know if he'd be in the Bible. I don't know if we'd even recognize him as someone who got, you know, um, got put into scripture. So he did this. It led to something huge. First uh, Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 33. So just so you know this, give you context, this is David coming to the um, coming to the battle lines, he sees Goliath, who's challenged the Israelite army um, to, to take on their best warrior, and all the, all the warriors um, on the Israelite side are, are just, they're shaken. They're, they can't even muster up the courage to even take a step out there. Obviously, the winner goes to spoils, uh, is what kind of situation it was, uh, the, the winner of the battle between the two champions, they get to take all the spoils. They win the war. The other, other side submits to the winner of the champion. So it's a big deal. There's a lot, of, lot on the line, and I think a lot of the soldiers recognize that. Well, um, jumping right in here, David goes to the king and says, hey, I'm your man. The only problem with it was David was a boy. He was in his youth. And he had no battle experience. He was not a warrior. And, uh, and this, was, this, is the, um, this is the conversation that ensued. So 33, David, and Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised uncircumcised Philistine 
will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So I start to wonder, what did David know to, to be that confident? How did he get to a place to be that confident? And I, and I wonder, did David ever struggle with any, of the, any failures? When he was out tending the sheep, did he ever fail? Did a sheep ever get away? You know, what are the chances of him making sure as a, as a youth that every sheep was 100% perfect the whole time and, and not one of them uh, fell, not one of them was snatched up without maybe him knowing it or maybe when he was even younger, um, you know, he was gripped by fear and, you know, just any confrontation he just ran from. It's possible, it's very likely, I would say, that he probably had failures. He, I mean, if, if he's like any, anything I was when I was a teenager, uh, he probably failed a few, a few times. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't go to the king and say, you know, like one out of every 10 times I was able to kill a bear, and you know, let me tell you about all these things that didn't work out so well. You know, he, I don't think he went and, and had that, that, that problem because he didn't focus on his failures. He, had a, he rehearsed, he lived where he succeeded. And so when he, when he defeated the bear, when he defeated um, the lion, it was just like, man, that's what I'm going to think about. How did that happen? I'm going to rehearse that in my mind. Man, God protected me. He delivered me from them. And you know what? Anything. I can take on anything. And so he had this confidence in what he was doing because he recognized that, that his failures, he, he would focus on those, sorry, not his failures, his victories. He would focus on his victories and not his failures. And so, um, you know, it doesn't really say whether he failed or not, but I, I would assume that he probably had some here and there. Um, so what we focus on, we magnify, we exalt. This is just the way we were created, that if we think about something long enough, we think about it hard enough, and we, we just focus our attention there, it's going to be a big deal to us. It's going to be very important to us. We could literally choose that about anything. You, you in, your, in your marriage, you could focus on the good things about your spouse, if, for those who are married, and you could focus on those only and, and totally forget their failures, not pay attention to those, and so, fall so deeply in love with them, it's not even funny. And that's what most of us did when we fell in love to begin with. We just didn't recognize that. And so sometimes we need to get back to that. Focus on what's right. Focus on victories. Focus on what's good. And we can do that with our own lives. We can do that with the things that we've seen success with God with. And it's, it's, it's so crucial. You can ponder, you can consider a doctor's report. That could be something that you, maybe you've done this before tonight where you got a report from a doctor and that's where you've been thinking. That's where you're stuck. Man, I can't get that out of my head. I've been thinking about how's that going to affect my life? What are the plans that I'm going to have to make because of this condition that I now have? What, how's my life going to be affected because this is going on in my life now? You know, say you had tennis elbow before and you couldn't work out. Man, I'm not going to be able to go to the gym. How long is this going to put me out? I can't pick up my kids and, and hold them. Whatever it might be, you've, you may have considered the result of, of the failure. 
the result of the problem. But what would happen if you focused, if you stayed your mind on what it would be like if it was fixed, if it was completely healed, if it was completely gone? Have you thought about the result of that? Have you thought about how much glory God's going to get when you get to tell your family, this right here was just completely healed? This right here, God completely took away from me. That'll preach. That'll be, that'll be like a dinner bell to the, to the lost. That, that's going to be a good report that people are going to say, wow, God does that? He totally does that. And, and we, if we decide that we're going to focus on the, the problem, we're going to focus on the failure, then we're going to be stuck with it, and it's going to perpetuate more failure. It's going to perpetuate more of the problem. So um, don't consider the, the problem. Don't consider the, the, the sickness. Don't consider it. Don't consider the doctor's report. I'm not saying pretend it's not real. I'm just saying don't think about it. Don't focus your attention there. Focus your attention on the solution. Focus your attention on the, what's, gonna, what's it going to be like when this is completely gone. How is this going to go out of here and it's going to change the world? It'll change my sphere of influence because all of a sudden I got healed of something and it was completely God. And there's no explanation for it other than that. So let, let's look at that. Um, you, you may have heard the story of, of Jesus walking on the water. And uh, I want to I show you something inside that story that's really cool and, and, and still goes um, and, and kind of reiterates the same, same truth. Uh, turn to, or actually don't turn, I'll just read it because I have it in the Amplified. Amplified Classic, I don't know if you know there's a difference. Am the regular Amplified is all like watered down. It's all junk. So, <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't appreciate when people just take the word and like take stuff out or, or make it mean something that it really doesn't and you know, even, even like the King James Bible, there's, there, when, when they interpreted it, there were things that were like italicized, and those things they added to what they were, what was originally there in the original text. So you can, every time you look at that, make sure that you can read it without taking, with, with taking the italicized words out, see if it means anything different. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it's a good add, sometimes it completely changes the meaning. And uh, so you just got to be, you know, tr you want the true word. You want the absolute truth of God. So uh, Mark 6, Mark 6, this is 51 and 52. So to give you uh, just, again, quick backstory, this is where Jesus was walking along the water, and all of a sudden, crazy wind and waves, and, uh, and, and the disciples were freaking out. They were freaking out, saying, uh, this is not going to end well. We're going to go over. You know, and this is, by the way, is after, after the, the time where Jesus was in the boat sleeping and he calmed the storm, right? He calmed the storm. So this took place after that. This is, so they've already seen wind and waves stop. They've already seen Jesus rebuke it and, and it work. It's also, this happened right after uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. So where he multiplied the two fish and five loaves fed 5,000, more, probably more like 15,000, which says 5,000 men. So, um, so that's the, that's the backstory. Verse 51, and he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, 
and they were astonished exceedingly, beyond measure. So they see this happen, and they're the disciples who are with Jesus day in, day out. This is, wasn't the, like, the first thing they saw. They'd been with him for a while, and they were astonished exceedingly, beyond measure. And then it gives us a glimpse as to why they're so astonished at Jesus doing this. It says, For they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding. See right here, they failed to consider what Jesus had just done. If they had seen and, and said, wow, let's think about the miracle that Jesus just did. Taking two fish, five loaves, and literally fed 15,000 people. And, and then not only did he feed 15,000 people, but he had them gather up the remains, and it was 12 basketfuls of food. 12 basketfuls, like, think about it, how big of a miracle it is that two fish and five loaves turn into 12 baskets of leftovers after it feeds that big of a multitude. It's a big deal. It's, it's like if we, don't think, if, we don't, if we don't value the things God does in our life, if we don't value what, what we see him do, if we're not responding to that and saying, not only am I going to value it, I'm going to think about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ponder through what just happened. Like, they should be in that boat having a good old time talking about what just took place. Like, did you see that? We were ripping the fish apart and the bread apart. We were started passing it around, and all of a sudden our baskets were getting more full as we were taking more out. Like, they should have been considering that miracle. They should have been considering that, that, that what Jesus had done. But because they failed, they, when the next time they got into trouble, the very next time, oh, here's another problem. <gasps> what are we going to do? Oh, no. And it's like, Jesus is just like, why are you guys even astonished at this? This isn't a big deal. You guys just watched me turn two fish and five loaves into, into 12 baskets of leftovers. What's, what's going on? I've, you know, the times where it says in the Bible that Jesus was astonished, it, the, the times that he was actually astonished, it was at people's unbelief. He was never astonished at what God was doing. He was never just like, whoa, I can't believe it. He never said that. He never thought that way. He was like, yeah, that's right. That, that's what I expect. That's what God does. This is my father we're talking about. And then when everyone else was like, wow, Jesus, did you see that? Did you see that? And he's just like, how long must I suffer with you? Like, <laughs> like seriously, like, get your head out and look at what's happening. <laughs> Of the sand. Get your head out of the sand. That's what I was implying. <laughs> I don't know what you people are talking about. So it's vital that we consider what God has done. It's vital that we ponder where, he, what, where he's leading us, what he's causing, what, where the very next thing that we step into, the very next trial that comes our way, whatever that is, we should be in the middle of, of, of going through and rehearsing and praising him for what he had, has just done. From glory to glory to glory. If we, if we fail to consider what God has just done, when we step into that next issue, 
we're going to throw our hands up. We're going to say, well, what's going to happen now? Well, if you would know what was going to happen now if you were considering what he had just done, if you were considering how, how God had just delivered you. So God has instructed us multiple times to remember things, that we would be in remembrance of certain things. You know, in Joshua 4, uh, God instructed the Israelites to set up a memorial of stone um, when they took the Ark of the Covenant through the Jordan River and it parted the Jordan River. And the, the Ark of the Covenant goes through the Jordan River and God says, instruct this memorial right here so that when people ask what that is, you can tell them what happened. Like, we're, he did that multiple times throughout Scripture. Uh, Numbers 15, God instructs the Israelites um, that in all of their clothing that they would stitch, um, weave in some blue cord along the corners of their garments so that they would be mindful and remember his commandments. He, he purposely said, you guys do these things so you can remember. Psalm 91 says, forget not all the promises of God. We're instructed not to forget things. And here's the problem. As humans, we have leaks. We have leaky brains. And so we just forget stuff. We've probably forgot more stuff than we realize. We've probably let things leak out of our mind that we just, oops, there it goes. And you don't know that you forgot it. So there it went. So even things what God, what God did, and if you go long enough without rehearsing it, without remembering it, without going over it, it can seem like it never even took place. It can seem like that wasn't even real. The enemy can lie to you and say, that wasn't real. That wasn't real. But if you relive it, if you rehash those victories, it's like it happened yesterday. And, you can, and, and when it's like it happened yesterday, then today, its problems have an answer. Its problems have solutions. So um, we, uh, if we aim to truly adopt the mind of Christ, the mind, think about the mind of Christ. How does he think? How does he, how does he ponder things, right? Did you know that he doesn't know failure? He doesn't know failure. He doesn't know what it's like to not succeed. He doesn't know what it's like to not walk in victory. And if we have that same mind of Christ, we will forget failures. You know, God, he's forgetful. Did you know that? He's forgetful. Intentionally, he intentionally, he said that he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. I will remember their sin no more. God says, I forget things on purpose. We can do the same thing. We can completely forget things of failures, things where we lack success. We can forget that. We can say, when that thought pops into my mind, I'm going to take it captive under the obedience of Christ, the mind of Christ, which says, I don't know failure. I don't know it. And so I'm not even going to, I'm not going to recognize it. I like to, this is how I do it. I chalk that up to the dead, the dead person. The person that used to be me, that I crucify on a daily basis, that person's dead. That, I don't attribute those failures to the new me, the one who's alive in Christ. Those failures are the old man. I'm gonna go ahead and crucify him and crucify what he did, and I'm gonna cast it out of my thoughts. I'm gonna cast it out of my remembrance. I'm gonna forget it. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna remember it. 
So it's so important that we do the same thing, that we, we have the mind of Christ. So, so here are some things that I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, some things that I rehearse and, and that I relive, some testimonies, if you will, of things where I just, I do this on a regular basis, and I'm intentional about it, um, even stuff that happened a long time ago, stuff that happened recently, I'm, I'm intentional about going over these things. Um, w- there was a time, the first time that I heard the voice of God, that I recognized I heard the voice of God. The very first time when I, what he said, that experience, I was 21 years old, so nine years ago, and I relive that experience over and over and over again. I like to tell it to people, that helps me relive it, and I just rehearse that, I rehearse what that was. Do you know what that does for me? That, that tells me God's, God's listening, God's speaking, I hear his voice. If I can just rehearse that over and over, man, do you know what? If I need direction for my life, if I need something, a, a word from him, I rehearse this over and over and over. I relive it. I relive that experience over and over and over. Do you know what that builds in me? An expectation that when I need to hear his voice, there it is. So I rehearse that over and over and over. Also, um, there, was a, there was a time where I got a word of knowledge before a previous healing meeting that I, that I was over. Uh, this is probably about a year ago. And uh, if you didn't know, that's what this is. This is a healing meeting, healing service. So if you didn't know that, prepare to be healed. Uh, by God, of course. And uh, so previous healing meeting, I was in prayer beforehand. And got, like all of a sudden I'm praying and out pops pancreatic cancer. And just, just that clear. And I'm like, God's going to heal pancreatic cancer. Like, this is awesome. And, uh, and so, you know, I get up here, I give a message, call people forward for healing, and we're, you know, uh, going through ministering to people who are needing healing. And there was a woman who said, um, I, have, I have pancreatic cancer. And I'm like, you're the one. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, like she, I, I don't think she came to church here. Um, and so she's just like, okay, I'm the one. I said, you're the one. God told me he was going to heal pancreatic cancer. And, and sure enough, she gets, we, we minister to her, and she gets healed. I, I don't find out about this, that she gets healed. Like, of course, I just expect people to get healed when, when I pray for them. Um, but I never heard from her or saw her again, like, until probably six months to a year down the road, well, this would have been a few months ago. And all of a sudden, there's a, there, I hear of a story of she's, this woman's in a, um, in a mother's group here at the church, and she's sharing that she got healed of pancreatic cancer at a, at a believer's meeting and, and uh, was telling these women, she's like, I don't know, I don't even remember who the guy was, maybe the youth pastor or something, I don't know. And, and, uh, and my wife was actually in, the, in that um, in that mother's group, she's like, oh, that's, that's my husband, right? I remember him telling me that, uh, that someone got healed of pancreatic cancer. And so she wrote a testimony in, and it was medically confirmed, not like that matters, but, you know, she went to the doctor, got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, got prayed for, went back, and was completely healed and, and, and medically proven. So I rehearse those things. I think about those things. Uh, this past Christmas... Um, we had family over for, for Christmas, and many of my family members had just 
gone through a bout, uh, a long bout of the flu, and it was like the serious one that they like took him out for a couple weeks, and there was probably four or five family members who had just gotten over it, and and I'm just like, man, that's that sucks. Like, I I can't stand being sick. I, I I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with being sick anymore, and that's where my thinking was. And we we go to bed, and and that night my son wakes up, and and he's two. And he, we, he wakes up, he's crying, we go in there, and he had thrown up everywhere. And, uh, and the thought comes, wow, this, he, he caught the bug, right? He got the flu. And he, you know, just, he, he was feverish. And we cleaned him up, and as soon as we cleaned him up, it was just like this anger inside me, just, this is not right. I, I get angry when the devil messes with my kids. I just, I can't stand it. And so... I laid hands on him, I rebuked that flu, I rebuked the fever, I commanded it to go away, and washed him up, went, sent him back in bed, and never threw up, never had a fever again, woke up perfectly fine. The, if we do what we, what we know to do, and we, we, we have rehearsed the victories that we've had, when the next problem comes, we're ready for it. We're ready for that next issue. So, um, most recently, I'm just going to do one more, and then... Um, and then we'll, we'll get going. Uh, m- most recently, a, w- a week and a half ago, in, uh, in our kids' class, um, I-, I teach, if you didn't know, the clubhouse age on Sundays, first through fifth graders, and um, I get a word of knowledge, and it was just like clear as day, right before, you know, going up to, to worship, and the word was spina bifida. And I had no idea what that even was. I, I've heard it before, but I have no idea what that condition is. And, you know, it's one thing to give a right elbow in a group of this size, but when you're talking 30 kids and you're saying spina bifida, and you know most kids don't even have a clue what that is, or have never heard that before, it's like, okay, God, this either I'm okay looking stupid, I'm okay looking dumb, uh, that's all right, so I'm just going to go up and say, Anybody ever heard of spina bifida? Anybody ever dealing with that? Maybe it's a family member, and, uh, and they're, they're silent. I said, has anybody ever even heard of spina bifida before? And, uh, and crickets. I'm like, well, maybe I missed it. I don't know. It seemed really clear to me. And then after a couple of seconds, one, a person on my team, a volunteer, raises their hand and says, yeah. And, I, and when I saw their hand, I'm like, okay, I'm glad you've heard of it. You're an adult. And... <laughs> And then, and then this person starts walking up, saying, I have spina bifida. And I said, you have spina bifida? Like, I, again, I don't know what that is, but cool. Like, you're getting healed of it. And, uh, and it was Jen right here. Hi, Jen. So, so she, she came up, got healed of spina bifida, and never had to deal with it again. It's a spinal issue. God, God is so good, and if we really do what do right with what he does do right with the victories that he gives us it just perpetuates it it perpetuates it so um, the good news is you can use other people's victories too you can use others victories and say wow I want that wow I'm gonna think about that victory that you had and I'm gonna think about it I'm gonna ponder I'm gonna consider it and it will work just the same you know the things that Jesus did that are recorded in scripture, those things, if we ponder those and we consider those just like we would our own victories, they'll produce the same result. So 
um, so if you don't have any of your own, if you don't have any of your own victories, you can use some of mine, or you can, you know, use some of Jesus's. Um, so who in here, who in here has ever been healed of anything in your physical body where it was instant and obviously God? Anybody in here ever? Look at that. Take a look around. God is doing this all the time. This is easy. This is normal. This is something that happens on a regular basis. This is just being in the kingdom of God. This is just seeing God at work. So this, this isn't something that we have to try to muster up. This isn't something that we have to try to make happen. We just say, God, you're the healer. You're here with us. You're in us. You said that by your stripes that we are healed and that your body was broken for us, for our bodies, and we just do it. So uh, with that, I want to invite uh, second-year Bible college students. I want you guys to, to minister with me and pastors and, and pastors as well. Um, and then if you have something in your body that you say, um, I need this gone, I don't want someone to leave here not healed. So we're, with the amount of people that we're going to have up here, we're going to get the result. You, we don't want you walking away. Jesus didn't come to take care of his flock to heal most of them, to heal some of them. He healed all of them. And that's, that's Jesus' heart that everyone would be healed. So I don't want you walking out of here with whatever you have right now. If you're dealing with something in your body, it's going to get healed tonight before you walk out. We're going to work with you. We're going to spend time with you. If your body's fine, I, I, I encourage you to hang out, be in the presence of God. Hopefully we'll have some piano, maybe some light worship music going on. But stay engaged. Stay engaged with, with what's happening. And let's be believing for people to be healed. Let's, let's see it. You guys ready? All right, let's do this. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.